and we welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Bennell and Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in the sporting world. Mitchell back here for the second episode of our week. Coming to you from a about 50 degree home right now as we are dealing with some issues with the heat. That's why I'm wearing the puffiest coat imaginable, the puffiest top I have ever worn here on the history of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Well, it's an Eddie Bauer jacket, Mitch. It looks good, first off. Second, just a quality jacket. I was thinking maybe you just got back from a very big meeting and rushed into record because we're so excited here, but that makes a little bit of sense now. At the same time, I hope everything gets fixed up quickly so you don't have to wear a jacket all day. And meet by meeting, I mean it's a very important ski trip in the middle of Northeast Ohio. So we're going to go right into our topics today. But before we get into that, we want to remind you guys, you can find us here on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. You knew that already if you're watching it here. But if you are watching it here and wondered, hey, where can I find this show? Elsewhere, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and also Spotify for podcasters, uh, previously known as Anchor. Uh, you can also find us on our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can find our latest articles, videos, and other things there. Our new spring sports schedule, our new broadcast schedule, you can find there. You can also uh, check us out on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Big Time Sports Ohio. You can also find our Twitter at BTS Ohio, and then at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Ballot, pretty much everywhere else. Mitch, I mean, we start off now today where we're coming off uh, a Wednesday that saw a pretty – I, I don't think it's as significant a trade as some of the other moves been made, have been made this offseason, especially with the one team that we're trading against. That's the big one this offseason. But uh, the Cleveland Browns making the trade yesterday, Mitch, I think is a very sneakily good uh, acquisition. Getting Elijah Moore, a incoming third-year wide receiver from the New York Jets, along with a third-round selection in exchange for the number 42 overall pick, second-rounder, uh, for this upcoming draft, this is a pick, Mitch, that we get a guy in more who, you know, over the last two seasons had been kind of used sparingly and had shown some flashes here and there. But in in other cases, he had not been able to really get as many touches once the issues of the New York Jets quarterbacks really kind of been was played out last season. So now Moore gets an opportunity. He wanted the trade from the Jets uh, reportedly, and he gets it now. Um and I'm curious as to see how he can be used in a system that already has a significant amount of receivers and receiving options, but could he be utilized as maybe a very good third or fourth? <clears throat> Absolutely. I think the one thing that already sets him up for success here in Cleveland, Mitch, is the fact that he is a speedy wide receiver. This is a quarterback that impressed in the combine two years ago before being drafted by the Jets. Obviously, him requesting to trade in New York. Obviously he didn't play every single game last year, both whether it was a personal decision or the team sitting him down as disciplinary action for not wanting to be there. You would think his speed is still there because he's so young, but Mitch, I love the trade because you're getting a guy that is sure handed Mitch looking at some of the film already that you've seen circulating on, on social media, or if you go look at things that she doesn't drop a lot of passes, which that's a big thing right away. And two, He's fast. What is the one thing we've been talking about now for the past year, two seasons? Anthony Schwartz is a speedster, but he's just not a good wide receiver. No. Elijah Moore brings the speed that this team needs. And the reason I like it so much, Mitch, is because there's a few reasons. It looked like it was going to be set up for us to take a wide receiver at 42. If the Browns stayed there, if they would have moved up, I don't know. We'll never know now. He's obviously a little more proven and trustworthy than a, a rookie wide receiver. 
you've seen it before. There are some top wide receivers that come out of college. that just don't have the career that you expect them to have. And so that's why I like getting a proven guy. And when I say proven guy, he's played for two years. He's shown glimpses of what he can be. The other reason I like it so much, Mitch, is you have him for two years. So not only do you have him for control, but if he wants to be paid as a top wide receiver that he probably thinks he is in the NFL, he also has to play at a high level and really rack up the, the numbers in both catches and yards and, and, you know, prove that he's a deep ball threat. So I think it's a win-win for the Browns. You get a position that you needed to fill with speed and you get a guy that has to prove something. Now, if he wants to be paid once his contract is up after the 2024 season and you get a third round pick in return. So the Browns now have two third round picks. Obviously, the other third-round pick coming from the uh, Quezzy hire when he was hired by the Minnesota Vikings. It's a comp pick because uh, he left the Browns front office to take another front office position in the NFL. Do the Browns take those and package the two threes to come back to the second round? Are they content with having two third-rounders? We'll wait and see, but I I think this is a great move by, by the Browns. And now you're looking at your top three wide receivers, wide receiver one, Amari Cooper, and the wide receiver two and three, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Elijah Moore, obviously interchangeable. I'm not going to get into what they are. And then you're going to have about four or five guys fighting for wide receiver four and five. David Bell, the rookie from Purdue last year, coming into his second year. Mitch, people forget about Jakeem Grant, the special teams return specialist. Uh, he was an all uh, pro bowler. Court popped his Achilles last year in training camp, so we never got to see him. You still have Michael Woods, the rookie last season out of Oklahoma. He's Still have Anthony Schwartz on the roster as of now. So those are four guys that are going to be battling for two spots. So I'm I'm very curious to see how this shakes out. I love the move by Andrew Barry. I'm not, I'm not mad at this move one bit. You know, I love Amari Cooper as the number one receiver, but I do think that it would be great to have a deep ball threat like Moore, who was able to come in and make a couple of, like I said, key flashes in his first two years. 43 catches, five touchdowns, 500 some receiving yards and 11 games his first year out of college before the quad injury. And then last season was interesting because he gets he gets 21 targets in his first three games of last year with Joe Flacco. Once Zach Wilson came back, he had 15 targets in his next five games and he had six of them in the last three of the season. Obviously that was after the whole deal ordeal where he requests the trade in late October. He was voicing his displeasure and a bunch of cryptic tweets here and there. And um, yeah, I like that this move is being made and it really makes me worry for Anthony Schwartz's time on the Browns roster. Do you think he even makes it out of camp or not a camp, excuse me, the uh, preseason still with the Browns? Or do you think that he'll be trying to find uh, work elsewhere as a signing right before week one? I think it's, it's very hard to tell and hard for us to guess. Cause if you're just going off his past performance, Mitch, I think it's, I think the writing's on the wall. I think he's gone, but at the same time, if there's one thing in a track record we can look at, it's the draft picks by this regime, specifically Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, uh, Chief Strategy Offer, Officer Paul D. Podesta, they do not give up on their draft picks, Mitch. They they keep these guys in the roster. They they believe in them. So is this another one where they might keep Schwartz and maybe look to unload Jakeem Grant? I, I don't know. Is Elijah Moore somebody you can put back there to return kicks? And if you do that, all of a sudden you're risking injury. It's, it's a very tough one because personally, I think you and I are on the same page that Schwartz just isn't the guy. And this is strictly as a football player because I like him as a person. Um, he's obviously been very vocal about things off the field, which I, I like. But as a football player, Mitch, I think he's the odd man out right now. Um, but will I be shocked if they make another move to keep him on the roster? I won't be. I won't be shocked at all because we've seen it happen already with some of these other draft picks. I believe Andrew Barry has only gotten one, rid of one draft pick. 
since he's taken over with the Browns, which is, listen, he's the general manager. He runs the team. He, he has final say. So I get it. Like you do what you do, Andrew, but at the same time, eventually you're going to have to make a decision that's going to benefit the team. And you might be down to, do we keep this guy or Anthony Schwartz? And in my opinion, Mitch, I think you have to get rid of Anthony Schwartz. Really quickly, uh, Moore has only returned one kick for his NFL career, and that was for a nine-yard gain. So I don't expect him to be this option unless they the Browns find something in camp that no one else has discovered that, hey, we can make this guy a viable kick returning option or punt returning option. As far as the, the trading picks, it's very interesting for Barry. Barry very rarely has missed on free agency moves, trade moves, uh, you know, you could say what you want about certain moves that are made right before his tenure uh, officially came in with the Browns, but he he very rarely makes a, a huge swing and a miss. I could maybe say, what was it? The Austin Hooper one was the most recent, the most recent I can think of. And I don't even know if that was under him or if that was under the yeah, previous. That was, that was under him. That, that was under him. Moves, so that's yeah. one, but you know, the draft is very interesting because the, I think for a long time, uh, a lot of Browns fans myself included are included in a mix of people that because we have these fresh up and comers in the draft every single year, we're always afraid we're going to miss out on this guy who turns out to be a can't miss a guy who was, who doesn't get a lot of draft coverage beforehand, a guy who isn't a four, a three or a four star recruit uh, or a prospect. We're afraid we're going to miss out on him and another team's going to snatch him up and use him the right way. But I think trading this particular pick, number 42, which again leaves you without a pick for the first two rounds, it's not great. But I think the Browns should just be focusing on trying to flourish these younger names on the roster, one of the younger rosters in the league, and try to build up from there instead of having to reset every year, bringing in new talent, bringing in new faces to threaten the already veterans who were there, even if it's only two to three years into their career. This is this is a move that kind of shows that, hey, we're trying to focus on trying to plug in all of these gaps. And the, and the gaps have pretty much been filled uh, for this offseason. I mean, there's been a lot of moves that Barry has made. At the same time, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic in trying to contain, maintain uh, your current situation while not trying to go too aggressive into bringing in uh, new faces and new talent. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. And Mitch, I think the other thing to look at is the, the Browns have made other moves. They just haven't been big name moves. I mean, obviously, uh, going and getting Double O uh, Okoronkwo from the Texans. Some people are like, "Oh, that's not good." There's their sites. Mitch uh, Pro Football Focus said they think that's one of the best signings of the offseason by any team in the NFL. Obviously, this is all on paper, which I've told you before. I absolutely hate. Yet I'll probably get suckered back into it when we're recording in August, saying. The Browns on paper are good, but they also signed a tight end, a tight end that played with Deshaun Watson in Houston. And there was a lot of talk. Could the Browns use a draft pick on a tight end? The Browns have filled a lot of their needs all of a sudden, Mitch, through free agency and through trades, which now I I do not know which way they go in the draft. Do they go for uh, depth at the offensive line position? When you look at some of the guys we have on the line who've been hurt, do they try to get younger guys on the defensive front? I still think they need to make another move at linebacker. Maybe they try to, like I mentioned, take the two third rounders, trade back up to the second, get a linebacker. Uh, We re-sign Anthony Walker, but I still think you're missing one big linebacker. But Mitch, like when we started this offseason, it was 
we got to get an end to compliment Miles, right? Because we knew Jadavion Clowney wasn't coming back. We got to get defensive line help. We probably, off the top of my head, I'm guessing we were probably the smallest defensive line in the NFL. And we saw last year when the Atlanta Falcons ran the ball, what, 13 or 14 straight plays, and we couldn't do anything about it. We had to get safety help. We got rid of John Johnson. We brought in Juan Thornhill, who I love. I think that is a very under-the-radar signing. And now you get your wide receiver. We said we have to get a speedster. You got it. So now it's almost like anything here the Browns do is more depth or, listen, they could still make another move. They could trade a player. But I think the big thing here, Mitch, there was rumors out there, and that's all they were. Browns were interested in Jerry Judy. I think every team in the NFL is interested in any top wide receiver. I think as a general manager, you're not doing your due diligence if you don't at least check in and call to see what it takes, right? There was the rumor that they wanted pick 42 and Greg Newsom. I immediately didn't think that would happen because Greg Newsom is going to his third year and he was a draft pick under Andrew Barry. But at the same time, Ward, Newsom, and Emerson, Mitch, those are three very good corners from what we've seen so far. So why would you break that up? Especially when you're in a division with Joe Burrow, as it stands now, Lamar Jackson, and then Kenny Pickett, obviously the book still are too early to tell, but that's why I like this move so much more. And when you look at the numbers, Mitch, I, I sent it to you yesterday. And I'm going to pull them up again. I looked at Elijah Moore's contract numbers. If they would have went for Jerry Judy, it would have been double the cap hit per year than what we are getting now with Elijah Moore. And that's huge because of the Deshaun Watson deal, because you have Amari Cooper and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb, who's on a team-friendly deal. But listen, when it comes to Elijah Moore, in 2023, it's a 1472666 base salary, uh, almost a, a shy or tad under a million signing bonus. So it's a $2,438,298 cap hit. Jerry Judy's would have been over $4 million. So right there, you're almost allowing a little more wiggle room if you want to go get somebody else, or you're going to keep all these draft picks on the roster. So listen, there's the memes out there. You got them. I got them of Andrew Barry manipulating the cap. He did it. He did it again. I really, I really think he did it again. Obviously we'll see is Elijah Moore, somebody who has a destination in mind. And that's why he wanted out of New York. Is he going to be happy here in Cleveland? The one thing I will say, it seems he was very well liked in New York by the players outside the quarterback room. Garrett Wilson tweeted yesterday right away how upset, you know, he tweeted some crying emojis. He said, I don't want to believe it. And then sure enough, after that tweet, the news broke. So it seems like he was one, very well liked and two influential in a rookie wide receivers rookie season, which I think is very big. So as it stands right now, this could be a under the radar move across the NFL, but to us Browns fans, obviously it's big news. I love it. I can't wait to see what he can do here in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. No doubt. We'll stick with that right there. We'll go right into our next segment here on the big time sports podcast show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 
988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching, and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. And we welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bella. Mitch, we know we have seen a World Baseball Classic for the ages. Uh, this is the, what is it, fifth iteration of the tournament since 2006. 
first one in six years. We've had some of the most electrifying uh, games between the United States, uh, Japan, and you know the, the the Mexico, a red hot Mexico team, and then the rest of the world. And we saw witness to a championship game on Tuesday that was won by Japan over the United States three to two, but it felt like the baseball fan won with that contest because it was a high viewed game. It was a good game. It came right down to the wire between arguably the two most famous baseball players on the planet facing off for the, 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 the final battle for the title and their teammates in major league baseball of all things, Mitch, it really is just a, you, you couldn't have, ended this tournament in a more convincing electrifying way to quote Moneyball, Mitch and Brad Pitt. How can you not be romantic about baseball? How can you not? It was incredible. Obviously the result did not go uh, our rooting interest way with the uh, team USA coming out on top, but just the, and you saw it all tournament, the pressure packed situations, the high leverage situations, the crowd getting into it, and the players wearing their emotions on their sleeves. It, it was everything great about baseball, Mitch. And it was awesome. And then just to have that final sequence to end the game, Shohei Otani coming out of the bullpen to close versus Mike Trout. I mean, the MVPs between the two. Um, it, it was awesome. I, I really wish, I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years ago, Patrick Mahomes had that giant comeback in the playoffs and he wore that whoop bracelet. And it showed his heart rate during the comeback. I would have loved to know what Shohei Otani's heart rate was and Mike Trout's heart rate was, because I swear mine was easily over 150 as I'm on the edge of my couch. I think I might've been standing up watching this at bat to a full count. And Otani gets Trout with a, a little slider, the outside part of the plate. But I mean, it was on edge the entire game. Obviously Trey Turner puts the U S up one, nothing with a home run Ca captain America. I mean, what fight, five home runs, the world baseball classic, I think most by a U.S. player all time. I don't know if it's a world baseball classic record, but it was just so much fun. It brought a lot of good back to baseball. And uh, we talked about this earlier this week, Mitch. This was a lot of the players for Team USA, their first time playing Trout and Turner and Real Muto to name, you know, three of them. But the U.S. didn't bring any of their top arms that we were accustomed to seeing during the regular season in baseball. And you just wonder if that changes. You also wonder if there's other guys. Now, somebody like Bryce Harper, obviously nursing an injury, he was never going to play in this regardless. But you also wonder if Trout coming out and saying, this is the most fun I've had playing baseball. And Trey Turner saying, that was the biggest home run I've ever hit in my career. If that might start to get a couple other of these big name players in MLB to say, you know what? I want to play in 2026. I want to make sure we can bring this home. And maybe a couple pitchers come too, but... It was incredible. And then just, I mean, Shohei Otani gets most outstanding player MVP. I mean, Mitch, what we're seeing from him right now, based off what we can read, we're not going to see again in our lifetime. But at the same time, with how the game's changing, we may, but you just can't say enough about Shohei Otani. And just, I mean, listen, Japan gets it three to two, but it was so much fun. The World Baseball Classic was so much fun. No doubt. I mean, you look at some of the 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 ratings here that I got here alone. I mean, even in, in the United States, where it isn't going to be as plentiful as some of the international countries, the uh, the game drew 5.2 million viewers to FS1, the cable network FS1, along with the Fox Sports uh, streaming platforms and Spanish channel. 
It's it was the most watched WPC game telecast ever on American television. Uh, it ended up peaking at around six point two million, six point five million, I believe, between ten thirty and ten forty five when we were nearing that showdown between Otani and Trout. And uh, with the exception of the Field of Dreams game between the Yankees and White Sox in 2021, the game outdrew every single regular season Major League Baseball game since the Yankees and Red Sox pulled in 4.72 million viewers back in a 2011 contest. It really is an amazing sort of feat to get the ba- the namesake of baseball out there to the rest of the world. It showcased the the talent of the Americas, and it's going to showcase it more in the future when more uh, players uh, decide to join. It showcased Otani as art as pro as in all likelihood the best player in the game at this very moment, and it's gonna it could work into him getting a massive contract, maybe the biggest contract in Major League history, if not sports history, coming up here very soon. Here's my thing about this though. I I saw a couple of people, and I, I can't remember if this was before or after everything went down with the classic that I saw the clip of Jeff pass. And I think it was on Dan Levitard's show where uh, he's, he's already made this claim. And some people have already made this claim already that Otani is better than Babe Ruth. Here's my thing on that. I understand the sent the, the, the tangibles of the game of baseball were very different from when Babe Ruth was playing back in 1914 to 1935. I get it. I understand that training is different. I understand the way the game is played is different. I understand the quality of play is different. Otani's been in the league for six seasons now. It's going into his sixth year in Major League Baseball. I believe 11th or 12th overall if you combine his time overseas. It's very difficult right now to for me to sit here and say, okay, this guy who has played six seasons at the highest level league in the world, 12 seasons overall since he was 17. It's very difficult for me right now to proudly and boldly make that claim that he's better than Babe Ruth, better than the guy who hit six times the amount of home runs anyone's had ever hit up to that point, the man who changed baseball to the point where it still has that effect today. That that's such a hard that's such a hard sentiment for me to share. I think he might be the best that we have seen in our lifetime so far. I could I could make I could agree with that claim possibly. It's very difficult for me to say that. Otani might be the best ever because when you say best ever, Babe Ruth is almost always going to come up in that conversation, even though because he's been removed for so many decades, almost now to the point of a century, just about over a century at this point, not many people are out of our time is going, are going to have that same, you know, it's not going to come up for them. It's like, when you say, Oh, who's the greatest? They'll be like, Oh, you know, Hank Aaron, you know, Barry Bonds, you know, so-and-so. Oh yeah. Babe Ruth too. But that I I don't know why I can't I can't fully commit to that same sentiment as of now. I I get it and I hear you and I'm not really gonna just you know disagree with you because I think that a lot of it has to do with Babe Ruth did it first. He did it for 21 years in Major League Baseball. Um, he listen Babe Ruth. I, I pulled up his uh, Baseball Reference page right here. 19 years old. Played till he was 40, so 1914 through 1935. I think the only interesting part to your point would be that if you look at the start of Babe Ruth's career in Major League Baseball for the first six years, Otani does blow away all the numbers Ruth put up there. But the question is then, is this sustainable for Otani? He's obviously entered over here 
Uh, he's 28 years old now. So he, this is his sixth season. So he would have been 22, 23 when he got over here, but it also has to do with, we do it all the time. When you compare baseball, basketball, football versus older generations, Mitch, today's athletes are bigger, faster, stronger, right? Was Babe Ruth throwing over hundred miles per hour while hitting balls over hundred miles per hour and getting down the first baseline at, you know, four seconds, the speed thing, absolutely not just because we know how big Babe Ruth was, but it's just, and I'm not debating because I think baseball, Mitch, is probably one of the hardest sports to debate on who the best player of all time is. You yep. could probably argue who the best player at a position was, but because baseball is such a team-oriented game and nine guys can factor a decision, it's so hard to debate that. But is Shohei Otani right now, look, is he the best player in baseball right now? I think I think it's pretty evident he is. I think so. Is he, you, you mentioned it. I think he's obviously due for the biggest contract in major league baseball history, unless he wants to stay. There's been rumored. He wants to stay on the West coast. So all the Mets and Yankees fans or Red Sox fans that think they can get him. Sorry to break it to you if it's true. And if he wants to stay on the West coast, Mitch, can the Dodgers or Padres give him what people are saying could be over $500 million. Would he stay in Seattle because it's out there. They can't give him that much money, but it's something we'll have to see after the season. I mean, do the angels trade him? That's probably a debate for another show. But at this point in time, I think what he's doing, we have never seen in our lifetime. I think our parents have never seen it in our lifetime. Uh, and it was almost unheard of when he came over here and announced he was going to be a two-way player. Right. It doesn't happen. I still remember Brendan McKay. He went to the university of Louisville. Two-way player in college, Mitch, phenomenal player. I believe was a top five draft pick taken by the Tampa Bay Rays. He isn't doing what, even close to what Shohei Otani's doing. Um, but I think it's safe to say Otani's the best player in baseball right now and best player that we've seen in our lifetime. But it's so hard to say he's the best player ever because it's a five-year going on six-year sample size and because baseball is just so different to compare greats. Babe Ruth, obviously, one of the all-time greatest players of all time, Shohei Otani, if he keeps this up as he's entering the sixth year at age 28, could very well be on his way as well. But it's just like, could you imagine him and Mike Trout on the same team? They probably win so many World Series. I mean, could you? I mean, I, uh, I, if only, if only we could see that in real time. That'd be. I know. I know. Oh, that would be, be something else. Nobody could beat that team. <sighs> Unbelievable. I mean. I mean, could you imagine having Albert Pujols on, on your roster at one time on Mike Trout, too? That would have been insane. That would have been an unbelievable team. They would have almost certainly gotten out of the division series. Anthony Rendon from the Nationals after they win the World Series? A really Oof. good person. Jeez, man. It's like, wow. Okay. Only there was a team Oof. that they could all be on at the same time. Surely they wouldn't be bad. I, I, you would think. I don't know. It would, it would be insane. It would be unbelievable. Well, wait a second. Hold on. Oh, I just, they're all, they're all the angels. They're already on the same team. Well, Pools is retired. Well, he's retired now, but he was there too, but the angels have sucked. They, they have not been great. They're not like, the, they're not like the 70 and nine, they're not a 66 and 96 team every year, but yeah, it's not great. Okay. Well, right, hold so, on, yeah. hold on. Before we move on and let's at least acknowledge the point, what I was trying to make. If you're the Angels front office, 
And your owner last year said he was going to sell the team. Now he's not selling the team. And Mike Trout comes out and says after the World Baseball Classic, this is the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. Is that a red flag? You paid the man. 13-year deal. But Mitch, if Mike Trout wants traded, you're probably going to trade. Yeah. Because he's arguably the face of baseball. And you would probably get the biggest trade haul in the history of sports if you trade Mike Trout. I think it would have gotten the biggest trade ever if it was like maybe a handful of seasons ago. Not just not not too many. Maybe like three, maybe four. I don't. I, I think you can still get a great deal for Trout. I don't know if any team would be willing to sell the entire farm to get him. That's what. That's where I'm. I'm wondering. It's thirty one. He is. He is. Um. He's a couple of years removed. What was his last year as league MVP? Last I believe year it was MVP was twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Okay, yeah. See, I think at that that was the that was the the point where if he had come out and said I want traded, it would have stunned the baseball world, and then we would have seen the Angels like have to basically leverage an entire team's future to get rid of him. Nowadays, like, yeah, the Angels, even with him, they even with him and Otani, they still can't get it done. Maybe he's – and there's that whole thing where it's like, well, you saw Trout strike out at the end of the big game. He can't get it done in big games. Can't get it done you know, in the clutch. Can't do this. Can't do that. It's so it's, – it's hard to gauge because we've never had him on the larger stages of Major League Baseball's postseason. We've only had him in that division series against uh, Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. And it just goes back to prove that one guy in baseball cannot win baseball games for you. Typically, typically, eh, yeah. Once every, once every five days, but guess what, Mitch? Right. You're playing six or seven days a week during the season. Yeah, that's why they have five, that's why they have four or five starters usually in a rotation. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll go out. We'll stick with that that there. We'll go to the final segment here. Uh, talk some basketball here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. 
Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. I'll care. I'll care, I'll care. Where you matter. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It is now time to bring in a special guest. He is the head coach of Jackson High School's baseball team and one Bill Gamble. Coach Gamble, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Indeed. So now, Coach, you come in to another season with the Polar Bears, having a number of uh, successful seasons under your belts already, a seven-time federal league champion now as well as a handful of state championships in division one as well a couple of star county titles in there when you go into a new season uh for this uh year coming off the one you did the year before i mean what's your outlook going into it i mean what can do you think we can expect from uh jackson's baseball squad here in 2023 in the spring yeah, that's a good question. That's a lot of the uh, same questions we're asking ourselves as a staff and as a, as a program. You know, we talk a lot in our program about the standard is the standard, but we have to kind of chart our own path at the same time. So, you know, for us, it's really getting back to be executing what, what our strengths are, you know, and I think early we have to rely on uh, um, for us to be successful. We're going to rely on our returning players. You know, as we graduated a lot of innings last year, uh, a lot of handful of guys that went on to play college baseball. We have some really good arms. Uh, they just need the experience. So so early on, we're just going to have to we got to be able to play solid defense, swing a bat and um, allow our arms, which which we know are going to be there. We just got to allow them to gain some experience. So for us. So so the great thing, we had a great spring able to get outside, get a lot of um there's unique baseball experiences you can't you can't work on in practice, and uh, now we're just ready to turn the page and get the season started. And coach, speaking about getting the season started, you guys open the season this Saturday, obviously in Ohio weather permitting against St. Vincent St. Mary at home. You mentioned relying on some of the returners. What do the rest of the players look like? Obviously, we know there's always an influx of talent coming through the program especially with younger players, what can we expect to see out of maybe some of the top newcomers or who's really impressed so far? I know you guys are coming off three scrimmages in a row the past three days. Yeah, I think right now, you know, we're going to rely on the guys that have been in the wars and in the battles for us a little bit. You know, Eric Freetag and um, Carter Motek really named 
that Motice force have had. We know we've had a we've had a string of just some some really good um, athletes coming through, and, and Carter being you know in the uh, younger youngest brother now. We're kind of relying on those type of guys. Hogan Sedlock who down shortstop for us, and then you know I think we have some some guys that played roles last year like Kyle Care. Uh, who, who are going to take more of an active role this year. You're going to see, um, you know, Nick Zito coming back. We're trying to get him back as quickly as he can from, you know, the healthy and uh, from some banged up for some football. And Garrett Wright, same thing, banged up from some football injuries. So as soon as we get those guys back, it always helps your lineup. But uh, some of the younger guys really like some of these arms that are coming out, you know, and, and they're ready to take that next step. Uh, you know, in, in the junior class, uh, AJ Wirtz, we really feel Isaac Hines really stepped up. You'll see those guys coming out of the pen for us. Um, really like Drew sophomore. He's got an innings brand. Um, and of course, we're going to rely on experience. Now we're going to take on more uh, more heavier innings than Ian Blood and Aiden Castile, um, who, who saw a lot of innings last year. James Bozart, who we got on the basketball team, we're getting him getting him going a little bit. His volume isn't there yet, but we like him. Um, Jack Blonner, again, another guy out of the pen for us. Uh, we like his, you know, we like his pitch ability for us. Um, so really relying on those guys until these, <clears throat> excuse me, until these young guys really get going. Coach, you mentioned some of the names that will be returning for you guys. However, you do lose a couple of uh, all federal league players from last season. Those including Jackson Clark. Uh, you also had the uh, guys in the mix like Calvin Casper and uh, Caden Goodwin now graduated. I mean, wh what do you lose? I know it's always tough to lose certain players uh, every, every year, but what specifically are you uh, not returning this season that you would have had with those couple of players? I think it's just you're seeing and, and you named two, you know, really good pitchers we had last year. And I think you're, you're seeing the, the experience on the mound and the ebbs and flows of how to handle that. So I think that's really where, where we're trying to um, speed up the process as much as we can is, is on the bump for us. And uh, the arms, the arm actions there, the pitch abilities there, it's just really experience. Um, we really like what, what Hogan Sedlock brings, the just stability up the middle like Calvin did last year. Calvin brought that grit, uh, that blue-collar mentality. And Hogan was playing a lot of second for us with them when they were paired up together. Um, so he'll – slide over so we'll see that as as we as we you know kind of break in those other middle infielders to more of a starting role experience is a big thing when it comes to the regular season obviously specifically talking about federal league play coach you guys will turn the page here next week and open federal league play right away with perry this year but when it comes to the federal league obviously never a night off anybody can beat anybody any given night what is the outlook really for the federal league just from your point of view right now? I mean, from the outsider point of view right now, it seems like it's kind of more open than in years past. I mean, that's fair. I, I really got to look at like graduation of rosters, you know, and what that is. And I know the league graduated some really good arms last year, uh, a decent amount of experience, but there's, there's some quality players back. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think, I think Glenn Oak returns a lot of experience with a deep lineup. Um, couple good arms over there uh, north canton's got a couple good arms with some strength up the middle you know um or i think some teams might be a little more you know maybe not as much experience but really athletic you know lake strong up the middle again 
Um, you see um, McKinley's going to have a couple good arms back, and Hare's really athletic right now. They might be a little younger when the experience comes in, but they, they have uh, more of the more dynamic players, uh, sophomore in the league, really, and in the state. So, you know, as you take it through, and, and then you got maybe one of the better players in the league and, and you know, Zimmerman at, at, at Green, who um, – and it's just all around, man. Just a just a top end player, power five player. So, so I mean, there's just I think you're going to see that transition, and you're just going to see the new that kind of step up for for each each team. But yeah, I would say you know this year there's there it'll be interesting to see how the league plays itself out uh, because of the turnover in, in in roster on a lot of the team. Well, coach, not every game is going to be in league, of course. Uh, how do you gauge? Uh, the competition in your non-league schedule uh, throughout the season compared to the teams that you will face more in your area? You know, we really try to uh, bring a dynamic non-league schedule um, and challenge ourselves on the weekends. We know the the backyard rivalry of Tuesdays and Wednesdays for us, that tournament-style play. But we still want to, again, ex- get those experiences, those tournament-style atmospheres. And, uh, you know, ever since I've, came, uh, I've been here at Jackson, I've, I really challenged our program to play at another – continue to play at that elite level on the weekends, you know, when you're when you're out of conference or out of league. Um, and, and with that, you know, I think, you know, we have a trip to Toledo again for a PBR event. We're heading to Cincinnati to take on a couple teams down to 5-1-3. And then, of course, Northeast Ohio, where I think we play some of the best baseball in the Midwest. I'll be honest with you, and you see that with guys playing at the next level. So we'll, we'll continue to partner with those teams. And, uh, you know, I think we're hosting uh, San Ignatius this year, and, and, and we're heading to Walsh this year, and going to hook up with Hoban again this year, you know, among other teams, just to name drop a couple. But, yeah, the weekends are really – we just get a chance to face some elite teams and elite programs that you hopefully, if you can make a deeper tournament run, you're going to cross paths with them for sure. Coach, when we, you know, sit down and talk with coaches here previewing their spring season, you know, we'd like to talk to them about a couple of different things. Uh, one being their coaching philosophies and then also the investment in their youth programs. Obviously, I've had a, a front row seat to see that uh, growing up in the program and playing for you. But for the listeners at home, just how, I mean, how vital is the youth program for a baseball program to continue to do what you want to accomplish you know, year in, year out at Jackson. You know, I think you nailed it. For us, it's kind of a, a program investment since I came here. We called our 401. Um, you know, we invest time, money, energy uh, in our youth, in our youth program, in our travel program, in our rec program. Uh, we have 16 travel teams. Um, we're working hand in hand. We're we're investing with with really just kind of what we know has to happen um, at, throughout the whole program and in every age group. So for us, um, it's kind of been a culture or or an environment thing for us. We really want to create an environment where we're where we're, we're creating growth and, and and really it's you know creating the right curriculum and the programming from from throwing programs in the off season for our guys, individual instruction um, and creating the idea when they walk into our hitting facility, they might see a D one college player, a D three college player, a returning all league player, a freshman in there, uh, a nine year old, a 12 year old, and, and maybe a, one of our alum, you know, minor leaguers in there. And we want them all to understand that, that that's just how, that's what we talk about when we say kid life. Um, and, and that's something that, that you, you 
build as a coach and you really hope outlives you, you know, and I think with the investments financially we've made, I think we've been able to invest in Jackson in general, not just baseball, but, but, but invest in Jackson and, and create just a great environment uh, here in our, in our community. Coach, you talk about fostering uh, an interest and an investment in baseball. One uh, touchstone that we were talking about earlier this week, I'm sure a lot of baseball-centric people were talking about this week, was the World Baseball Classic that concluded uh, this past uh, Tuesday. I mean, what was your kind of take on the whole matter? Did you find it uh, fascinating? Did you get invested at all? I mean, what was the international tournament uh, to you? You know, really, it's it's unique for me because my my I have four children now. My oldest a freshman, sixth grader, fourth grader, first grader. So they've kind of we've turned the page where they kind of get it now. You know, watching this and I mean, one word for me that just keeps coming to mind with World Baseball Classic was electric. I mean, just complete playoff atmosphere. It, it took the professional player for me back to college where they played for you know th- that that pride and what we what I love about college baseball so much is that is that pride. Hiding in that name on the front of the chest, where a lot of times in professional baseball you're playing for contracts, um, it really turned that back to what what the game was all about with the elite players in the world. Um, electric. I hope they keep going with it. You know, I know there's the battle of injuries and a couple of those 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 oper- you know those took place unfortunately, but you know I think when you're in the it, it, you can control it a little bit, but. Um, they're still playing minor, you know, they're still playing, I'm sorry, spring training games either way. And, and some of them is just what it is, but the intensity um, and there's hiccups in it, but man, I, it was just flat out electric. We were the, the house, uh, the gamble house here was rocking, man, when they were playing. Coach, I, I have a couple of questions, but first I have to ask this because it just came into my head. What are your thoughts on Shohei Otani? Um, just obviously he center stage, obviously facing his teammate Mike Trout to get the final out of the World Baseball Classic. But can you, someone that's been around baseball much longer than, you know, Mitch and I, put into words what we are seeing from Shohei Otani? No, you can't. Um, I, I just kind of like I was telling my kids this, they're like, is he like Babe Ruth? And you kind of trying to put him on those type of lines. Now, you know, now Babe Ruth hit longer, maybe. Maybe, but the two-way side of the uh, of the equation. I mean, how many guys can go out there and and you know hit a ball over 100 and throw a ball over 100 and get down to first base and around a four flat um, at, at such an elite level in those pressure situations? Like that type of environment. Like that's what I want my players. That's what I want the college kids to look at. That's what I want my 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 sixth grader to look at and go, yeah, man, that's a competitive. Yeah. We get it. God touched him, and we get it that, that he can throw a ball 100. But the competitive side of him, um, and and, and it, that was his teammate. He almost felt like two captains going at it. Uh, but that was the showdown I wanted, everybody wanted, because we wanted best on best. Uh, and we wanted the two elite competitors in the ring, and we got it. And, uh, you know, you know, uh, so I'm biased a little bit, and we lost. But I thought the show, I thought, well, I, I just – Bringing the international stage again, loved it. Loved every minute of it. And then finally, Coach, the last thing I want to ask you is, I know you and I have talked, you know, previous years on different shows about, you know, whether it was Hall of Famers and players being left off. This year, there's going to be new rule changes in baseball. A lot of baseball players say they like it. A lot of baseball players say they hate it. Where do you come out on, you know, the whole time or timer rules with pitchers and hitters and the, the no shift and the shift ban. Like where, where do you come on 
on, on those type of rule changes in the MLB? That's a good question. It's a lot of talking. To coaches offices too. Is this, this is turning the page. Um, I think on the, a little bit of spring training, I feel like it's five seconds too fast. And I, I don't know why five seconds keeps coming in. I just, um, I know everybody's got to catch up and speed up. I do love the fact that, you know, on average, I think first week I saw something like an average of 2022 was a three hour game. They're getting it closer to two and a half hours. I think for the viewer in this, you know, new era of how, how technology is. I think that's going to change me at all um, on, on that portions of it. I'm intrigued about the shifts. Um, I'm not really as uh, knowledgeable on, on the exact rule changes, but I hope it brings back the idea of, of putting batting average back in uh, into it a little bit more of the um, bringing some guys that can base steal back into it. I just hope it brings those facets back and puts a little bit more emphasis on that and less on strikeout and home run only really being the two two metric systems that we're looking at because that I think is what has slowed the game down from a viewership. There's just not as much uh, you know electricity going on in June when all you get is a, you get three home runs and 17 strikeouts. So for me, I hope it brings a little bit more dynamic baseball back. Coach Gamble, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, and best of luck to you and the Polar Bears throughout the upcoming spring. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys having me. You guys do an amazing job. Look forward to seeing you this spring. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Coach. And we'll be right back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostren Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business. 
and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra & Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level eight. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Bennell, Mitchell Bala. Mitch, the, the Cavaliers play the Brooklyn Nets again tonight in Brooklyn. I don't really want to talk about that much. Last night, the other night's game was... Uh, bit of a wash we knew the Cavaliers was going to win and they did so they're probably going to win again tonight so we're going to focus on for me where the Cavaliers are standing in the postseason right now because it's uh it seems it seems more and more like we're going to stay at that four spot the Cavs are 46 and 28 seven games back of first four games back of the next closest team in the in the Sixers who have already clinched a postseason spot along with Milwaukee and Boston so I believe I believe the Cavaliers magic number for, for tonight Mitch would be one to at least get a share in the play-in tournament, uh, but it still would have a couple of more games. No, actually, I take that back. They are they are three games away from at least a six seed in these playoffs, so they would need to win at least three more games in order to, if I get this right, clinch a at least one spot in the non-play-in tournament section of the postseason. And they have eight games remaining. That includes tonight's game against the Brooklyn Nets. And it looks all but feasible for this Cavaliers team to be able to clinch that. And with a four-game lead over the Knicks, really what would have to happen, I believe, is at this point, the Knicks virtually would almost have to win out and then obviously make sure they beat the Cavs in that game on March 31st in Cleveland. The Cavs have Brooklyn tonight. We'll see, obviously, playing a team like this with a day off in between that can be tough, especially on the road. Then you play Houston. Then you play Atlanta. Then you play the Knicks, Indiana, Orlando, Orlando, Charlotte, Mitch. I think out of those teams I just named, 
two teams over 500? Three teams over 500 between the Nets, the Hawks, and the Knicks. So the Cavaliers should, it would take a monumental collapse here for this team not to hang on to the fourth spot um, and fall even near that play-in tournament. I'm, I'm more so looking ahead to, can they clinch the fourth spot as soon as possible? And is Philly going to slip up somewhere? Probably not. You're you're asking a lot. A lot has to go your way. Um, but if you clinch that four spot and it's solidified, then you can start to rest some guys because we have a couple guys that have been banged up. Jared Allen just coming back. We know Donovan Mitchell's been banged up. Uh, Darius Garland banged up all year because apparently he's just a magnet for people's fingers to his face. Uh, so a win tonight goes a long ways. A, four more wins is huge for the Cavs, and I think they should very well get it. No, I mean, the Cavaliers right now, uh, it's mainly the focus is between them and the Knicks because there are four games ahead of them right now to get that home advantage in a four versus five matchup. But the Knicks have that two games to one advantage right now in the regular season. So the Cavaliers have to be very careful as to not let themselves slip up. I mean, they've won two their last two games or seven and three out of their last 10. The Knicks have had a couple of uh, tough losses here and there that uh, I, I would imagine have have in their case, in, in this situation, hurt their chances of hosting the Cavaliers in a seven-game first-round matchup, which is good for us. I mean, I again, you want to face a team like Brooklyn in the first round, that's not going to be happening because Brooklyn is still kind of falling. Even though it hasn't been a complete drop-off, though they've lost four their last four consecutive games, they're 13 games uh, back right now, the same amount as Miami, who has a one-win advantage right now, but also a uh, one-loss disadvantage. So I, I imagine that Miami might jump over Brooklyn for the sixth spot. So they would have to take on Philadelphia in uh in the first round. And then you brought up this point earlier today about the West, which I found very fascinating because I'm looking at those standings uh, at this very moment. If my thing would stop freezing. Um, it was the Phoenix Suns you were talking about. They're 10 and a half games back of Denver. They're not going to clinch or not. They're not going to catch up to Denver. They're not even going to probably clinch up to Memphis. Denver and Memphis, by the way, have already clinched. There are two spots for the playoffs. The Suns, Mitch, have a very particular stretch down their schedule that could be very, uh, it's very curious to see where they might end up, especially with the loss that you mentioned they had to the LA Lakers this past week. Yeah, listen, the Lakers with a huge win last night, 122 to 111 over the Suns. And that's big because they're still without LeBron, Mitch. And They've somehow treaded water. I'd actually go a step further. They've actually improved and done better than what I think a lot of people thought because here they are in the 10th spot. Yes, there's still a possibility they can fall out, but Mitch, I mentioned the Suns being 10 and a half games out of first. They're only a half game above the Clippers in the five spot. One full game up on the Warriors in the sixth spot. Mitch, they're only two and a half games up on the Lakers who are the 10 seed right now in the West of the playing tournament and why, and some people might be saying, well, you know, the Suns are whatever Lakers aren't that good. Mitch, the Suns schedule the rest of the way is nothing to, you know, blow off. They play at Sacramento. They play the 76ers, the jazz, the Timberwolves, Denver, Oklahoma city, who's fighting for playoff positioning, San Antonio, Denver, the Lakers, the Clippers, all teams that are beside, like take out Utah and take out San Antonio, all teams that are fighting for playoff positioning 
And Mitch, the Clippers could overtake them. And that's why I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that all of a sudden the Suns, who we've heard Kevin Durant is not going to be back in the regular season. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If they don't figure it out here soon, that they avoid the play-in. I think there's a real possibility here where the Phoenix Suns could fall to the play-in. And just what, do you imagine that? The Phoenix Suns all of a sudden falling from what looked like the three spot all year to the four, and then all of a sudden the play-in tournament. Obviously, they could rattle off some wins here, but it's not like they have a cakewalk like the Cavs do. No, no, certainly not. And, you know, Phoenix, I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain is going to remain as one of the either the five or the six seed. I could see L.A. overtaking them. I could maybe even see Golden State overtaking them. Or I could see Golden State potentially falling to, to number seven behind Minnesota. Although after that, it seems like Oklahoma City, Dallas, and the Lakers will remain eight through, eight through ten. Even the Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans are still fighting for spots because they're both 35 and 37. They're both half a game back of the Lakers. So if the Lakers were to falter here, then one of those teams could get in. It shows how, uh, you know, we've been talking about, we've been going on and on about the West for the last couple of months about how, you know, stag that conference seems to be compared to the East in terms of contenders. You have teams with uh, the likes of Laurie Markkinen with Utah, with the Pelicans, Zion. I know he's injured, but Zion for a portion of this season. And then Portland with Damian Lillard, where those teams aren't even in the playoff picture yet. And then you look at the Minnesotas, Oklahoma City's, Dallas's, and Lakers. I give Oklahoma City a lot of credit in turning it around this year. They seem like they have a bright future ahead of them for the first time in a long time. But, uh, yeah, it just goes to show that a team like Phoenix, who's been a, a, a finals team before and has been at least at least a West contender for years to come, has kind of been relegated to a four that easily could be a five or a six at this point of the season. It also goes to show the impressiveness of Sacramento's run here early on, uh, late in the year, five and a half games back, 43 and 29, huge turnaround. Mike Brown might be the coach of the year, uh, a runaway. It, it, yeah, I think, I think it has to be at this point. I mean, I wouldn't have expected it too, because Mike Brown has always been an extremely serviceable coach. This is a guy who's been in the NBA finals, has been a part of finals winning coaching staffs uh, for the Lakers and the Warriors. But Again, you wouldn't have expected that little corner of North Northern California to just be like, hey, we got a, we got a basketball team here now, and we got this beam, and we're, we're shining in almost every night, and things are good here for the first time in a long time, and it's really something. And they're going to end the longest postseason drought among any of the four major sports. We yes, saw the are. Mariners end their drought last year, who had the longest drought, I believe, since 2001, and now I believe the Kings, who hold the longest drought, since 2006, if I'm not mistaken, are well on their way to ending the postseason drought, and they're going to host. They're going to they're going to host the first round. It seems unless the bottom falls out. So yeah, yeah. I was almost going to ask you. It has to be Mike Brown for coach of the year. I mean, obviously you can make the case Mike Malone with Denver or Budenholzer with Milwaukee, but you expected those teams to be good. You expected exactly. those teams to be at the, top of the conference. Mitch, I don't know who anybody that expected the Kings to even. If anything, they were going to be fighting for the plan, not almost virtually locking down the three seed in the West. And so that's awesome to see. Um, it's it's kind of, it's a really cool story. And obviously it'll only be a better story if they get in and then win a, a round or a series and then can build off that. One thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned before we moved on or wrapped up here, the Cavs are four games behind Philly, Mitch. Philly's schedule is much like Phoenix down the stretch. Philadelphia, 
heads out west to play Golden State, Phoenix, and Denver. They then return home to play Dallas and Toronto. They go to Milwaukee. They play the Celtics, the Heat, the mm. Hawks, and the Nets. They do not have a cakewalk either. No. When you're looking at these schedules here down the stretch, the Cavaliers are very, very lucky for how we're ending this in terms of the win and loss record and strength of opponents. Do I think it could happen? There's a chance. I'm not going to sit here and say I think the Cavs get the three seed, but it's not out the, out of the realm of possibility, Mitch. Let me ask you something. I know that we always want to get higher seed just based on pure competition, but if you're the Cavaliers, would you rather be the three seed and have a toss-up, a coin flip of either facing Brooklyn, pretty easy opponent, probably dispatch them in a couple of games, or Miami, a, a team that I legitimately think could take the Cavs a seven in a first-round matchup, or would you rather take the Cavs as a four seed in a first-round matchup with the Knicks? If you told me we could play the Nets for sure as the three seed, I would obviously do that. But exactly. I would much rather play them than before the Miami Heat. Because much like you, I don't want to say the Heat have been sleepwalking, but it's almost like they've been sleepwalking because, Mitch, this is a team that was in the, fi- the Eastern Conference Finals last year, two years removed from the Finals. They still have Jimmy Butler. They still have Eric Spolster. Like, it's a team I'm just scared of. And a lot of good things never happen when you have to go to Miami in the regular season. So mm-hmm. I don't want to know what happens in the playoffs. Um, but no, I mean, it's the a fair w- question. weather starts getting warmer, you know, people are starting to yeah. go out to the beach more and out to the club. Yeah. 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 And if you do get the three seed, it's then, you know, it's probably going to be Boston. It looks like Milwaukee is going to be the number one seed. So at the four seed, it's like, do you trust yourself more against Milwaukee? Or if you get the three seed in advance, do you trust yourself more against Boston? Um, either way, if you have hopes of making the finals, you're going to have to go through both those teams regardless at one point. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, but. I'm actually very intrigued to see how some of these teams that are kind of flirting with their playoff positioning right now, how they end the season. Indeed. I'm, I was looking up the splits. I believe the Cavaliers have split with Miami this year compared to Brooklyn. Uh, I know there was a one loss at home, but the Cavaliers have pretty much played Brooklyn well throughout the entire season. Uh, I'd still want to probably want to face off with the Knicks, but the Knicks have given the Cavs a hard time too. And if the, if the Knicks have, the Knicks are not a great home team. But the Cavs are especially not a great road team. So I, I'm, I'd be really it, – it's good that you have that first-round match, that first-round advantage. But I, ugh, that's such a tough one. I think, I think I'd still go with the Knicks uh, in a first-round matchup. And we want to know what you guys think, the, who the uh, Cavaliers should face off with in a first-round series, uh, best-of-seven game series. And that's it. That's all we have here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. We uh, thank you for listening and or watching. Mitch, what is our fact of the day before we sign off for the week? We're going to keep it simple. Seven days from Guardians baseball. Yeah. Actually counting. Yes. Seven days until the guards open up in Seattle. 10 o'clock first pitch. Probably going to try to stay up for that, but we're close, folks. The World Baseball Classic gave us a great taste. Regular season baseball is just that, around the corner. We were talking about that uh, at $50 a month deal that the Guardians are having for this season, and I'm very very, very tempted to try it. I know you mentioned maybe only getting for the last two months of the year, but for me, I mean, that'd just be nice to have year round. Although it, it just, oh, I really wish it was for two people. I don't want to have to go to a game by myself every time and have somebody pay full price, but you know, it happens. All right. Thank you guys uh, so much for listening or watching to the big time sports podcast show.